0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey there, it's Scott Pianowski for the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. We're going to get to my discussion with Liz Loza in a minute. We had a lovely talk on Thursday afternoon. Unfortunately, the Packers and the Raiders made a huge NFL trade shortly after our podcast. So you're getting a little extra bonus coverage. I'm going to talk about the Devonte Adams trade in brief. We will break it down much more extensively on our next episode of the podcast next week. So as you've probably heard by now, Devontae Adams, he's a Raider. The Vegas Raiders send a first-round pick and a second-round pick to Green Bay. AFC West, man, it's bananas. All four teams just look loaded and fun and talented. And Adams and Derek Carr have chemistry and history. They played together for two years at Fresno State. Devontae Adams scored 38 touchdowns in those two seasons. One of those years, Carr threw 50 touchdowns. We're going back to 2012 and 2013, but at least they've got a history, and this was somewhere Adams wanted to be, and Adams apparently is getting a five-year contract extension, so he's getting a big bag of cash as well. Wheels up on Carr. His fantasy stock rises. Great receivers here. Waller, Renfro. Now Adams is in town. We'll see what Josh McDaniels can do with that. I think Adams might take a small hit only because Carr is a good player, but Rodgers is a walk-in Hall of Famers. So there's a difference there. But Adam's still a first-round pick by anybody's estimation. What's going to happen in Green Bay? Now, apparently Aaron Rodgers knew this was coming or knew it was possible anyway. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a flight risk. He's going to become a game show host or turn his back on the Packers. I think he knew this was probably something that was likely. The depth chart, though, that receiver depth chart is is really weak right now. I think Green Bay needs to be a player in free agency or the draft. That's pretty obvious. They just got a couple of picks in this trade. Although Green Bay has been reluctant to draft receivers in recent seasons, man, Jordan Love, it just looks so bad, that quarterback pick. But this year, I think they have to take a receiver, maybe add in free agency. I I don't think Alan Lazard is enough and some of the other pieces there. So Rodgers takes a hit. Derek Carr gets a boost. Adam's pretty close to neutral, maybe a little bit of a ding. We'll talk a lot more about this next week. AFC West, baby, it's where it's at. So let's get to the regular part of the show. Again, Liz Loza and I had a really fun football talk today. Hope you enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, joined by Scott Pianowski today. And we're going to do a recap on all of the free agency news that's happened in the last couple of days. But first, let's get to some news. Buffalo released Cole Beasley. Tennessee released Julio Jones. Um, From a fantasy perspective, Scott, let's get your take. Have to imagine that with Beasley out the door, we're feeling better about Isaiah McKenzie, particularly given his late season surge.
0: Yeah, but four touchdowns against Kansas City he's going to be America's little pet draft player in the summer and, and I'm excited for it obviously Josh Allen we'll see how they do without Brian Dable in town it's sad for me I think Julio Jones is already a Hall of Fame minted player and for him to get cut and for me not to be like oh wow where's Julio gonna go I can't wait to see where he lands I I'm just afraid that maybe the cheese has gone bad with Julio. I mean, look, Beasley's a slot receiver, who doesn't catch touchdowns. So, I mean, there's there's other guys like that. I'm at a point where I'd rather have Russell Gage than Cole Beasley, and Tampa Bay obviously Ooh, agrees. Yeah. We'll get to that a little bit later. But I'm afraid Julio is, just has the body, with the body type and the injuries that he's had. And we know as great as he is, and again, I called him Hall of Fame worthy, I, he's never really been a super touchdown guy. Maybe a lot of that was a Matt Ryan problem. Unless Julio gets the perfect landing spot. And even even what a perfect landing spot would be, I think he's like a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three at best. And it's hard for me to imagine being proactive about Julio. I'll probably ignore Beasley, and he'll have to play his way onto my rosters. And if you beat me with Cole Beasley, I'll, I'll enjoy that. It's just funny. Here, here we are. If you told me a year ago, okay, we'll do a news item about Cole Beasley and Julio Jones, but it'll really be an Isaiah McKenzie news item. I, I'd yeah. be like, what, what are you talking about? No, I'm, I'm all in on Isaiah McKenzie, but... I think Julio Jones is, you know, I'm tickled the way Andre Johnson aged look at the season that T.Y. Hilton just had a speed receiver. So he's not maybe a direct comp uh, with Julio, but I'm just afraid that maybe his fantasy relevant days are gone.
1: It is interesting that both of these um, from a fantasy perspective are more about addition for another player by their respective subtractions from the team. Um, Obviously, you mentioned Julio seven games lost in 2020 with a hamstring strain, Six with a hamstring strain in the 2021 season, and he also had that preseason leg injury all along the same limb. So, a cascade of soft tissue issues on the same side of the body, which certainly I think you're right. Like, you don't need to squint too hard to read the tea leaves here. Um, there was, I think, initially when Twitter saw the news extra excitement for A.J. Brown, but I, I feel like we have to, t- like, we're already all excited and high on A.J. Brown. I don't think A.J. Brown moves into, like, the top three receivers now, though, because at the end of the day, the Titans are still a run-first operation with Derrick Henry back, and A.J. Brown has had his fair share of injuries and, dirt and and soft tissue problems, and so you have to imagine extra defensive attention, that even if Julio, when he was on the field, the reputation was able to garner. Like I, I think we're at a certain point that AJ Brown stock can't go any higher, even if Jones is off the squad.
0: I think that's well stated. It's always the chicken egg thing, right? I mean, yeah. do you want the, to be the only show in town to get all the targets, or do you want to be nicely, you know, screened by your opponent by your teammates so your opponents can't gang up on you? And and I guess the sweet spot is you want, maybe if you can be the number one receiver where there's complimentary help, but you're still going to get the most targets, but the other team can't guard you off the bus. You know, I look at Tennessee's roster and the the arc of some of these guys, and it's so funny. They were the number one seed in the AFC last year, and, and Vrabel is a terrific coach, one coach of the year. I think there's a fair chance they miss the playoffs next year. And I don't think I'm saying – I don't even think that's like a hot take. I, You know, I mean, the, it's not a strong division. But I prefer the Colts in that division. Obviously, the AFC West has become like an unbelievable playpen right now with, with four fascinating teams. We could just do a whole podcast on the AFC West at this point with all the personal changes that have been made there and all the fun that's going on there. I, I think Tennessee's, look, it's, it's easy to say they're not going to be as good as last year, but I, I could easily see them being like an eight and nine or nine and eight team next season.
1: You said something interesting and you just kind of smoothed over it. I want to make sure the listener heard that you prefer the Colts who have been quite a buzzy operation, um, particularly at the quarterback position over the past week or two. I don't know. This feel it feels like months, right? Since the combine, even though it's not been sure that is. long. Um Carson Wentz, I know the team, uh, the rest of our squad and team have discussed. He is, you know, a part of the commanders now. There's obviously an opening in Indianapolis. This leads me to the other news point we have to cover. Baker Mayfield said he wants out of Cleveland. Uh, He wrote that love-ish letter, that like letter to the fans of Cleveland, that lukewarm love letter to the fans of Cleveland, kind of intimating that he was ready to be done The Browns said they, quote, will not accommodate his request for a trade and may feel like, well, I want to go to Indianapolis. Um, But then Indianapolis is now being linked to Jameis Winston. And yet, despite all this drama, you still prefer Frank Reich and the Colts over the um, perennial playoff contending Titans.
0: Well, this is uh, you make a a perfectly valid point because. For all intents and purposes, the, the Colts quarterback chair is empty right now. They're not going to go into the season with Sam Ellinger as their starter. At least they sure as heck don't want to. And it's a case of, would you rather have the better roster 2 through 50 or 2 through 53? Or, you know, how much is the quarterback worth? Ryan Tannehill, he's kind of in a weird place because he's, I think he's cer- certainly above average. But if you were to rank the AFC quarterbacks, I, what would he be like? Maybe seventh right now? I mean, he's down the list a fair amount. Again, it's part because, you know, some of the stuff that's been added, although I guess maybe Deshaun Watson's probably going to be traded out of conference. So that will balance some of that out. But, yeah, it's a matter of I like the Colts infrastructure and I still believe Reich's a good coach. And I think that it's funny because Wentz didn't throw a lot of interceptions. I feel like he tried to. A lot of them were dropped. I feel like he killed a lot (laughs) of drives with bad passes. I feel like a Michael Pittman glorious breakout season became kind of a quiet. Hey, Michael Pittman was pretty good. Did you notice you know, when Carson Wentz would occasionally get him the ball and stuff like that, I and, and man, is Jonathan Taylor, obviously a fantasy monster. I, I like the way they've drafted. I believe in their GM. I believe in their infrastructure. So it's a matter of can they get a quarterback who's at least as good as Carson Wentz, and I, I think that could be Jimmy Garoppolo. I think maybe it could even be Jameis Winston. And I'm also, I guess, I don't even know that he's in play for a trade, although I keep pushing for it. But I, I even think if you put Gardner Minshew on the Colts, they'd be oh. the division winning team. I, I, I'm like the last Gardner Minshew apologist. A lot of people push back on that and, and that's fine. But I, I guess I, this is my way of saying, yeah, they, they lost Wentz and you need to replace him. The replacement is not on the roster, but I don't think it's asking too much to to get somebody who's at least as good as Carson Wentz was for them last year. I mean, the, how quickly Wentz wanted to meet with the front office and they're like, no, no, we're, we're done talking to you. We're, this ship has sailed. You know, Frank Wright gave up. If Frank Wright couldn't fix Wentz, maybe he's just unfixable.
1: But if we're looking at the Titans, I think this is a really interesting comp that you're bringing up between these two teams, because if we're looking at the Titans, right, like they are ostensibly one position away from advancing in the playoffs. And Ryan Tannehill did not play brilliantly in the postseason. And even when Derrick Henry went out with the foot injury, I don't it does. It didn't feel like, and maybe the offense didn't require this of Tannehill, but he didn't put the team on his back. They did not become this high-flying pass-first offense, and that's maybe not in their DNA, right? They found Donta Foreman, and he had this late, late career breakout of sorts down the stretch. But if the complaint for the Colts was that we were we were one quarterback away from doing it. Then isn't it the same complaint for the Titans? It, it feels to me so fickle of the Colts to move away from Wentz. And I have to imagine that it had a lot more to do with what happened in the locker room than on the field, for there to be such an immediate schism and cost them. Well, I mean, I guess the commanders picked up the tab, so that wasn't as much of an issue. But like, I don't I don't know that it's it seems awfully crazy to me that they're like, maybe Jameis Winston as opposed to Carson Wentz, because it does seem like a net neutral game.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you don't have a quarterback and when you can't get, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or somebody like that, then you talk yourself into, Oh, maybe we can fix Mitch Trubisky. Maybe we can fix Jameis Winston, you know, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder will heal up nicely and, and he can be the answer. You start talking, you know, look at the Broncos, the way they talk themselves into Teddy Bridgewater, the way the, the Panthers said, Oh, we can maybe Sam Darnold away from Adam Gase will be. And, and I'll admit, I, you know, I, it wasn't like I was all in on Sam Darnold, but I thought he would be a lot better than he turned out to be in Carolina. So I'll, I'll take the loss on that. But you know, I look at this Titans offense A.J. Brown's wonderful, but he's had a lot of injury problems. They've had difficulty maximizing his ability. It was only this past season where they actually realized that you can throw the ball to A.J. Brown 10 times a game. and It's actually a good thing. It used to be like, OK, five to seven targets for this uncoverable freak who runs the entire route tree. But I'm really concerned about Derrick Henry. I've gotten to the point in fantasy where I just second contract running backs petrify me. I know Henry is is kind of a rule breaker and a unicorn in a lot of ways, and I know his workload goes back to high school where he, you know, he ran ridiculous amounts, although he wasn't tackled all that much in high school because he was getting in the end zone almost every carry it felt like. But second contract running back makes me nervous, and I didn't like the defense anyway. I felt like it was kind of a scotch tape job, and they, they did it with smoke and mirrors, so – uh, Tennessee Titan fans, if you're out there, you can push back on me and and, and tell me how they're an 11-6 or 12-5 and 5 team. I I think Rabel pulled off a minor miracle last year, and done, granted the division is still going to have some landing spots I, that are weak. I, I don't know if Jacksonville's going to be better overnight or much better. I mean, I, Urban Meyer's gone, so that's good. I don't know what they're doing in free agency. I don't think anybody does. And obviously Houston's in a rebuild. They're they're going to trade Watson at some point, and that team has four or five wins written all over it. So maybe just by the, the fact that you have two weak teams in the division, you can't go that far down. But I, I'm putting it out there. I think the Colts are the best team in the division, and I will emphatically, whenever we start talking, I don't know what the props are right now, but when we start talking about division props, one of the first things I'm going to do is look up the Colts number.
1: I, I like that's a great thing to to bookmark. What would you would your opinion change at all if it were Baker Baker Mayfield? Like how how do we feel about Baker Mayfield? as the Colts quarterback, noting that Reich is a, is a bit of a creative genius, right. That he can work with multiple talent, but also when you look at what Baker Mayfield does, it's so reliant on timing and finesse and precision. It's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's, he's the opposite of Jameis Winston into summer. Carson Wentz. It's not like a stand in the pocket, scramble when you can and just chuck the ball real hard. It's, much more tempo-based, timing-based, rhythmic. And that takes that takes time to establish. Like rapport matters, I think, much more when you have a quarterback with that particular skill set, as we saw with OBJ.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, they couldn't get him going. And then and Beckham was a really useful piece of the Rams championship. And I, I still think Beckham was going to have a huge Super Bowl game. Maybe he would have been the Super Bowl MVP had he been healthy that whole game. It was a shame to see him get hurt. But I'm sure the parade took some of the sting out of that. You know, I was talking to our friend, uh, Troy King, uh, who does great work. He's been on our show before and um, about the Mayfield, you know, k- kind of this whole drama that's going on there and Baker Mayfield's semi cryptic note about how he, you know, him and the Browns are kind of breaking up. And I found myself in a weird place because Mayfield, he didn't play well last year and I was just begging for him to get benched and he was hurt. He was playing through an injury. I get it. But I was of the mind that, you know, a healthy Case Keenum, I think, would help this team more than Baker Mayfield, who's obviously compromised. And he's on every other commercial, right? It just became kind of frustrating. And then Mayfield puts that stuff out. And and I know it's a PR thing and, and all that, but I found myself kind of feeling sorry for Baker Mayfield. And I think that that was kind of where Troy landed on that too. And maybe it's just a case of, you know, some relationships they have they they have a shelf life, or they they don't work out for whatever reason. And and you know maybe Baker Mayfield can be happy somewhere else. He seems like a a guy who did like the Midwest. Maybe the Colts would be a good fit for him, just his personality and that background and everything. And I still think Frank Reich is a heck of a football coach. Just because he was maybe had the vanity to think he could fix Wentz and he couldn't do it, doesn't mean that a healthy Baker Mayfield, who who did win a Heisman Trophy, who was a, a number one overall pick, who um. You know, does still get the 95s when they do the ratings for power arm strength. I thought back about that a little bit. People are like, no, no, at the combine, he actually graded really well for arm strength. Of course, you know, accuracy can be a different thing at times. But I Baker Mayfield is somebody I would I would be very interested in taking a chance on getting him away from a Cleveland environment that I think went bad for him and with a healthy shoulder because he again it was the left shoulder but he played hurt all season looked like a guy playing hurt obviously they never unlocked Beckham I mean maybe just him and Stefanski couldn't really get in rhythm I Mayfield's young enough he's never gonna be an MVP or anything like that but I still think he can be somebody's answer for the next five or six years I would love him to land in Indianapolis
1: all right I think we'll have to keep an eye on it I'm I'm sitting here pondering like (laughs) will what what do I I I think I like Paris I'm not ready to I'm not going to draft Paris Campbell right but like assuming he stays healthy you know he's going to be on that list of like potential bounce back players and he's probably again asterisk big asterisk if he stays healthy going to win someone a lot of money on some week in DFS Um, and I but I do like the version of like Jameis winston going deep to campbell and campbell being able to take the top off the defense for a giant you know a giant game like a 70 yard touchdown or something um but i'm also
0: ready i'm also ready to, to waste more best ball shares on mo alley cox who every, ah, uh, two, twice a so year fun. he looks like unstoppable yeah and then he just goes back into the witness protection program you don't see him for a month but with jack doyle finally out of the picture maybe maybe cox can spread his wings
1: let's uh stay in the division i don't know why we have to stay in this crappy division but we're gonna do it because houston uh has some news they signed kyle allen previously of washington to a one-year 2.5 million dollar deal so at first blush this looks like the team is all in on davis mills but of course they have a very high draft pick the third pick in the uh 2022 draft that'll take place Obviously next month um so lovey smith was asked about this move and he said quote there's a real possibility of us getting a great quarterback when referencing this third overall pick so maybe mills isn't the guy though i just i like i kind of don't believe that houston's gonna draft a qb there i feel like this is good maybe they trade there's a trade or there's enough need that the team has like they can fortify plenty of areas you know and lovey smith is as a bears fan i know this like a traditionally a defensive coach like it did seem and based on the information that charles robinson our colleague who's based in houston has been able to glean from his sources the franchise likes mills They're, they're they're pretty interested in seeing what they have in him
0: I like Davis Mills too. Um, I saw him go up and down the field against the Bill Belichick defense. And if not for some really curious coaching decisions, they would have won that game. Not not that beating the 2021 Patriots was maybe the victory that it might have been a few years ago, but I mean, he, he looked great that day. He had other moments and I don't see, this is not a draft where a quarterback really fits the number three overall pick suit. I mean, maybe Lovey Smith thinks if he talks enough about them wanting to draft a quarterback, that one of the quarterback needy teams might think, oh, geez, we got to move up if we we want one of these guys because Houston might take a quarterback. I think they're going to give Mills a shot. There's a lot of, there's so many, there's so many foundational cracks here that unless you really love the quarterback who fit that pick, you might as well just pick elsewhere or even trade down and, and just get multiple pieces. So I, I think Davis Mills plays a full season and will be, I think he has a chance, you know, he was, um, There was talk that again, I don't want to make it all about the Patriots, but there was talk that they didn't get Mac Jones that Davis Mills was their fallback plan that they Mm -hmm. liked him enough and they were going to maybe look at him in the second round. I think he has a chance to be a quality NFL player. I don't know how high the ceiling really is, but and hopefully he'll take Brandon Cooks along for the ride, who had some moments last year. I mean, Houston, it's, it's still there's just so much wrong with this team, and they were they were scrappy and they you know pulled the occasional upset or be like, oh cute, you know Houston's tied in third quarter. But then you look at the depth chart at running back. It's like, oh, Rex Burkhead's still in the league. You know, uh, Daria Gunbowale's still in the league. Royce still in the league. Good for you for pronouncing
1: that correctly. Well done. Yeah, I, I,
0: if I even did. I mean, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things. And that's just, you know, the offense. I mean, the, the defense, of course, has a lot of things wrong with it. Um I I guess the other other thing is what they end up getting for Watson too. I mean, that could really speed up a rebuild if they get a ton of picks for him. And I'm, I don't know if you have a good sense of where Watson's going, but, um, I I I,
1: I feel like I know, I mean, maybe this is just hubris, but I think he's going to Atlanta like this I, it would not be surprising to me if when um our listeners are downloading this podcast and putting it in their ears there is already the ink is already dry on Watson's deal.
0: Okay, which means uh Matt Ryan goes where? Could Matt Ryan go to Indianapolis?
1: Matt Ryan could go to Indianapolis. I think then he becomes like in flux. Um I feel like the biggest clue to me about Watson's landing spot came when Jarvis Landry went to go visit the Falcons because I have to imagine that if the, you know, obviously Watson um, r- denied the trade clause to Cleveland, right? He was like, I'm not going to Cleveland. You guys can't have me when there was interest from the Browns, which seemed to precipitate a lot of this Baker Mayfield drama that we just discussed. But when Jarvis Landry was flying to meet with the Falcons, I was like, oh, well, I feel like Watson is probably going to land there. And his team knows that because there was interest from other teams prior to that Visit being scheduled, and also, I have to imagine if Watson were going to go to Cleveland, which we know now he wouldn't, Jarvis Landry would be like, "Okay, we can restructure, actually, I take it all back. I'm open to taking less money, right, and we're divorcing ourselves. let me just say right now of any of the like off the field implications. I am only for these purposes discussing the real life football is happening ramifications of this like i I'm not imbuing any of this with any personal feelings. Sure. One way or the other.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Atlanta, they did not get emotional about Julio Jones. They didn't say, Oh, it's going to be, you know, going to the hall of fame as a, as a lifelong Falcon. And I, I guess they're not going to do it with Matt Ryan. And from a team structure standpoint, I think that's the right thing to do. I, there are a lot of, I, we, we could talk for two hours about the the pros and cons of adding Watson and, and you know, the, what that symbolizes and what that says about your team structure and all that. And,
1: can we, though? Um, like, and, uh, honestly, like, c- can we? Like, he's an excellent football player, and mm-hmm. the objective of every front office is to win games. And he yeah. gives you, especially given the quarterback market that we have been discussing, and the Marcus Mariota's, and the Mitch Trubisky's going to the Steelers, and the weak draft class. Like, he gives you a giant, accessible, immediately accessible ceiling. So of course there's interest.
0: I, I mean, widespread interest. There's several yeah. teams that have been linked to Watson. So, so I guess that, that kind of bookmarks that. But I, I'm just interested. I'm just think it's fascinating that Atlanta was shrewd enough to not ride out Matt Ryan until he had no value left. That they're willing to move on. I mean, could they have done it a year or two earlier? Maybe, but at least they're being semi proactive about it, which I, I think is, a, you know, it just just shows them maybe being more on the ball than I thought.
1: And Ryan has been a class act, I think we should say. He did not post some weird like letter on his Instagram, right? I'm pretty sure Matt Ryan, like, looks in the mirror and knows knows his age and knows the record and knows how badly he needed ice after every game (laughs) last season and is self-aware enough to understand where he is in relation to the rest of the, like the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. So Fair that remains- yeah, I
0: will say this though. I, I, I think playing in Cleveland is different where Atlanta likes the Falcons. They care about the Falcons. They'd like the Falcons to be good. You know, of course they're still celebrating the Atlanta Braves championship and they're still celebrating the um, Georgia of Georgia football yeah. championship. And if you're, a golf fan, as as my my friend Don Port is, uh, he's a big Georgia guy. There's it's, it's a bunch of PGA Tour stars from Georgia. It's been a really good time to, if you're a Georgia sports fan. So the Falcons, okay, so they're you know they're kind of mediocre. People can live with that. In Cleveland, it's football is like a religion. And when you're a quarterback of the Browns, you're you're the most you're immediately the most important person in the city, regardless of what else is going on. And I think Matt Ryan can kind of live his life a little bit anonymously in Atlanta, where in Cleveland it's almost like I don't know. I just I just I feel again, going back to that conversation I had with Troy, I felt some sympathy and empathy for Baker Mayfield that I wasn't expecting. I, I actually kind of hope that he can get a nice landing spot because I don't think Cleveland I think Cleveland in a lot of ways kind of I don't I don't wanna say set him up to fail, but maybe it's just a bad fit for him.
1: Troy King, our colleague who you've mentioned twice, he's a big Miami Dolphins fan. So let's move along in free agency and mention the Dolphins' latest moves. Raheem Mostert is joining McDaniel now, Mike McDaniel, for a one-year, on a one-year $3.1 million deal. Of course, uh, the crew, the rest of our fantasy crew discussed uh, in a previous episode this week that Chase Edmonds already landed there. So now it is Mostert and Edmonds. Manning the backfield primarily uh, for the Dolphins, Edmonds deal for what it's worth, because I I think it's interesting to see when we see um, when new players are added, what their deals, like who makes more money, because that's telling, you know, about their investment. Yeah, one year, 3.1 for Mostert and then Edmonds two year, 12.6. So significantly more money and more commitment from the franchise to Edmonds.
0: But by the way, I say this curiously. I, I've been calling him Mostert forever. Have I been saying that wrong? If I have been Raheem Mostert, I apologize. But
1: I don't know. I um, might have just said it wrong.
0: It could be. mean, you know, mean Mr. Mustard. Last year, there wasn't much to say about him because he was gone in the first game of the season. But it's always interesting when somebody when somebody you know, a coach changes teams, a GM changes teams, a decision maker changes teams, and what does he do immediately? He brings in. Players he's familiar with. So you that's a certain investment that matters to us. But, you know, you know Mostert, Mostert, he's been in the league long enough, and man, he's been on almost every team, it feels like, for at least one you know, physical or tryout. But, you know, last year we ignored their backfield because there wasn't any talent here. This year we might in- ignore the backfield because there's just, just going to be hard to d- determine where the ball's going. We saw Chase Edmonds last year, couldn't get in the end zone. You know, health issues have bo- bothered Mahim in re- recent years. I'm still not sure what to do with Tua. I've talked myself into him a couple of times. I've certainly talked myself out of him a bunch of times. Jalen Waddle comes off a huge catch season, but you know the 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 depth of target was absolutely you know it was almost like he was like a just a behind the behind the scrimmage you know lateral pass guy. Um, I, I don't know what to do with this. I I still don't really understand. I know there was a power struggle going on, and that's why the coaching change came. But I think they let a good man go. I think they got that wrong. I'm I'm curious to see how the new staff does. This still looks like a seven and ten, eight and nine fantasy. You know, oh, just, I, I, Waddle's going to go early. I'm not sure there's the right answer at at running back. I, I'm still sicky every year. I feel like lets me yeah. just a little bit of a letdown. I don't, I don't know. Miami to me just still looks like just one of those teams that you kind of forget they're in the league.
1: I do think it's interesting. We know how much um, McDaniel likes his fullback, right? How much Kyle Shanahan and now Mike McDaniel likes his fullback with Kyle. Juszczyk always in the mix. Like when that backfield was completely injured, actually on Eckler's edge, Austin was like, oh, I think that Yuschik is going to get the touchdown. They're going to use their fullback as a running back. And of course, McDaniel now adds Alec Ingold, who's a pretty good fullback. So I think that this is, we are we are looking very much at a, a, a Shanahan system here via this next generation, which it should be helpful for putting together clues. And it would not surprise me if Ingold ends up being one of these like out of frustration I just need six points I'm going to start him if the rest of this backfield which you're mentioning it does not look like the most durable falls apart so just it's also to interesting
0: add. to see we know Mike Shanahan who I think legitimately could be in the Hall of Fame he's got a coaching tree which notably includes his son I'm curious to see what becomes of the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree and you know I guess we're about to find out
1: oh yeah for sure um Jeannie McKissick we're talking about these uh, little pass-catching running backs, um, was set to go to Buffalo, and all of the Devin Singletary truthers held their breaths. Um, and then he he dovetailed and said, forget it. He did a takes-backsies and, um, in fact, is staying in Washington. And now all of the Antonio Gibson fans are holding their breath. Although it seems to me as though Buffalo is not 100% in on Singletary despite their commitment to him towards the end of last year because I don't think they would have been as interested in this move. Were they as all in on him? It wouldn't surprise me to see them draft somebody. We all know that running backs go, you know, the best of them. You can still get like a top five running back in the third or fourth round of drafts because of the market. So it wouldn't surprise me to see the team add talent and depth via the draft next month. Um, But as for McKissick, like two years, $7 million, staying in Washington. I think we know what we're getting here with Gibson. I, I think if anything, if there is like silver lining and solace, it's like, okay, we know what to do with this. We know, we know what the, um, we know what to expect.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm going to be wishing for, for things for this offense. I, first of all, I hope I can call them the commanders all year. Cause I, I was just getting used to the football team and, you know, <laughs> thankfully their old nickname is out of the mix, but I, I would like to see a healthy season from Antonio Gibson. And I'm really worried that Terry McLaurin might be his this waves Alan Robinson, because he's just played with a bunch of sketchy quarterbacks and now he's got Carson Wentz. And am I going to look at five or six years from now and be like, you know, I'm just waiting for this Terry McLaurin breakout season that never comes. And it's because he's playing with, with lousy quarterbacks. And to be fair, Alan Robinson had one monster season with Blake Bortles. So, you know, maybe you just have to find a way to offset it. I, I remember last year when I saw McLaurin was working with Doug Baldwin. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm getting all the McLaurin. You know, Baldwin was one of my favorite players, was a terrific route runner. And I think I think McLaurin wants to be great, has greatness in him, but isn't is it, it's not gonna come out with a quarterback. But as far as McKissick, I mean he is what he is. He's one of those guys that you would not want to primarily play as a running back to or flex, but when injuries pop up, when buys pop up, It's like, okay, you know, I'll throw out McKissick and hope this is the week he catches six passes. Um, He's not a big touchdown guy. He's he's probably more useful to the to the Washington commanders than he is maybe to fantasy. But it's a case of when McKissick goes in most drafts. I'd like to take somebody who maybe has a a whiff of more upside. But, you know, sometimes you have to play for the single. and, And so he'll be there. And at least, you know, he is on a team, an organization that knows what his strengths are. Um, somebody was joking on Twitter. You know, who, whose Buffalo Bills tenure was more interesting, Antonio Brown's or J.D. McKissick's? I I guess they were both Buffalo Bills for about the same amount of time, but man, I want to see this team find a quarterback. I don't think it's Carson Wentz. I, I I've talked myself into Heineke a few times, but I don't think it's him. It obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, you know, unfortunately, got hurt you know, the first minute he got in town. It felt like, but um,
1: but to that I, point, Scott, because I hear you and I and I understand this, and you talk about how. McLaurin was working out with Baldwin last offseason, and we were all, as a consensus, ridiculously high on McLaurin. I think I said this on last week's pod, that his ADP was wide receiver 10 overall. Mm -hmm. And we had convinced ourselves of that with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. We look at Michael Pittman, who was a top 20 producer in fantasy with Carson Wentz, and I, I feel like Why, if we could convince ourselves top 10 with Ryan Fitzpatrick, why are we assuming like wide receiver 30 with Carson Wentz?
0: And this is totally the way I'm going to narrative it. And it doesn't mean it's right or not, but I guess I talked myself into Fitzpatrick making those DGAF throws. Those Maybe I should call them YOLO throws for McLaurin, Where it's like, okay, you know, I'm not sure if you're open or not. I'm not sure if the, if the safety is going to roll over or not, but here it is. Just try to catch it. And I thought that was going to be a good thing for him. And with Wentz, you know, my friend. Uh, He's going my to throw those. My, see, I think Wentz will throw bad passes sometimes. But I think Wentz is maybe conservative to a fault. I, mm-hmm. I think he actually could use a little bit more proactive recklessness in this game. But I don't know. I, I think I, I think Carson Wentz is just a guy who I've, I've become so down on that if there's a silver lining on Wentz, I'm not seeing it. Or, or maybe it's like. I just watched watched Wentz have a terrible season or, or disappointing season. Terrible is too far. That's not, that's not fair. He had, he had a, a, dis- a
1: terrible last week of the regular season. Yeah. That so was a the, meltdown. Losing
0: Jacksonville with a playoff spot in the line is not a feather in your cap. And then what happened since then, okay? Um, this is a little bit of an appeal to authority, but what happened since then? A Colts organization that I respect said basically get out of here. And a Washington organization that I don't respect said, hey, hey we'll, we'll take Carson Wentz. And I'm... Of the school of thought that the Colts are usually right on things personnel wise, and Washington's usually wrong on things, so it just it just seems <laughs> like I want to side thing. with the Colts. I want to think that the Colts knew what they were doing, and, and Washington doesn't.
1: Yeah, we we talked about this in last week's pod, so I don't want to I don't want to stay too long. I think it's interesting. I just feel like I am probably going to end up with McLaurin because his value will be too great otherwise. That I will probably be higher on the talent. And maybe you're right, the Allen Robinson comp. In fact, let's let's talk to Allen Robinson because I think that's an interesting t- comp when we're thinking about McLaurin, who's hamstrung by the quarterback talent. We've seen that with Robinson. But volume has been the answer, right? 150 targets in a 16-week season was what we got used to, and then... I don't know, the wheels fell off the wagon. I said I've been saying this. I am definitely in the minority. I am still not sure Alan Robinson is fully healthy. He did just manage a, a chef's kiss to him and his agents, by the way, and his team. Three years for 45 million to come to Los Angeles. And now I look at LA and and listen, LA has OBJ that's an ACL. Robert Woods, that was an ACL. So he's coming off of his ACL. He'll be ready by week one. When I interviewed him at the Super Bowl, he was already working on jogging that week so that he could jog out of the tunnel with the team on Sunday. And now we'll have Alan Robinson, who's not coming off of an ACL, but is coming off of an injury ravaged season, plus a COVID situation that he lost 10 pounds during. I am not 100% sure that Alan Robinson will be as robustly healthy as we are anticipating and as this contract reflects. He is someone I do want to study in rest versus rust and get some professional opinion about. But it is pretty tough if we're divorcing ourselves from all of those hypotheticals to say like, well, uh, McVay knows what he's doing. McVay, we know Alan Robinson is talented and having Matt Stafford at the helm and the rest of that up tempo offense seems really good, particularly if OBJ isn't going to be on the field until November.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I go back and forth on Robinson um, into his ninth season. Man, just where where does it go? we were so happy to see I I thought Matthew Stafford was always maybe a little bit underappreciated in Detroit and it was just great to see him finally you know again we talk about getting out of a bad relationship getting into a good relationship and and although Stafford had his share of bad moments and he gave away the game against Tennessee but you know he went on a parade has a ring on his finger you know had a great season obviously him and Cooper Cup had an unbelievable relationship receivers how do you generally feel do you have a rule of thumb not you you may just take it case by case but Receivers changing teams, I think more often than not, there's more risk than there is reward to be had.
1: Receivers changing teams and coming off of an injury, a surgery, or a lot of missed games. Like, that is a layered situation. This isn't just, like, the Amari Cooper in the middle of the season from the Raiders to the Cowboys. And, like, that's the anomaly. And then how did that end up, by the way? like I feel like I'm going
0: to be reactive to Robinson this year in draft season as opposed to proactive. I don't think the ceiling is there anymore.
1: Uh, But I think you and I are in the minority. Because I saw, I mean, I'm a Rams. I live in L.A. Like, sure. A bear going to, a like, Allen Robinson, one of the best wide receivers, one of the most likable wide receivers, one of the most do-it-all skill sets, like, my kind of wide receiver, my kind of player. I love Robert Woods for the same reasons. Like, these guys are, like, utility players, and I appreciate that in the receivers that I often select. It's part of the reason that I picked Woods ahead of Cup, and I was wildly wrong on that. But, like, to watch him go from the Bears to the Rams, my other favorite team— I should be excited. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here being like, I'm going to get killed for not ranking him along with everybody else.
0: Let's establish one. Let's talk about the real important thing here. Is your favorite team the Bears or the Rams? You get to pick a lane.
1: It's the Chargers now. Okay. Chargers now. <laughs> okay. Hey,
0: hey, they're, they are as trendy. They're odd shot through, you know, that you could get great value on them maybe two or three weeks ago. That's out the window with all the personnel they've added. I mean, they look... They get it, right? They have a star quarterback on the first contract. We have often, we have financial flexibility that we're not gonna have when we have to do the second Herbert contract. Let's go for it right now. And they're doing it, man. Again, I I every you could put every AFC West game on standalone TV. I don't think anybody would complain.
1: It's almost like Brandon Staley learned something while he was in Los Angeles under McVeigh. It feels like this offseason is exactly what the Rams did if we're you know, making crosstown comps to just loading up, finding if I was
0: going to if I was going to tell you, say, let's just pretend I don't have the odds in front of me, but let's just pretend we were at a sports book right now. We were watching some March Madness. And I said, Liz, I, you know, for because you're such a great colleague, such a great friend, I'm going to give you 200 bucks to spend on a futures ticket for any AFC West team to, to win the conference, win the Super Bowl. Who would you who would you put that ticket on?
1: I, I mean, I would have to debate between the chargers and the chiefs, but probably I would, given the defensive moves, lean towards the chargers. You're right. Right. You wouldn't be,
0: you wouldn't be human if, you know, after that great season with, with Austin Eckler, if you didn't have a little bit of, I mean, the Rams could be your team, but I mean, could the chargers be like kind of a, you know, a side piece.
1: <laughs> I got a lot of side pieces now, Scott, that's too much for one lady to handle.
0: You allow, are you allowed to root for three teams? Is that
1: allowed? <laughs> I, I, don't I think know. you might just have to
0: drop the Bears. I think somehow the Bears might have to get lost in the shuffle.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, if Justin Fields, I, that's a whole. anyway. Let's let's go. Let's go back to let's get back. You're on
0: betting that. on the Chargers. I I I oh. read that as you're betting on the Chargers.
1: All right, Scott. We can talk about me and my side pieces. Fine. I hope Mom doesn't hear this another time. Let's in fact get back to free agency. Uh, Chris Godwin, officially, it's official. Ink is dry. Signed. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's coming back on a three-year, $60 million deal. Also, Russell Gage added to that trio of wide receivers expected to complement the aforementioned Godwin as well as Mike Evans for a three-year, $30 million deal. I like Gage as like a sneaky PPR play. I mean, the volume that he was able to command down the stretch, I think, really did in fact, you know what's interesting? His career effort came the week, I believe it's week 13, the week that the Falcons played the Bucks, and he had that, like, 11-catch, 130-yard game. That was a career effort. And clearly Tom Brady was watching because Tom Brady, after unretiring, reached out to Russell Gage personally and said, you want to come play with us? Like, stay in the division, come to the Pirate ship, And I don't I mean, honestly, if you're Russell Gage and you answer the phone and it's Tom Brady, forget the pirate ship, forget Tampa. You just say yes.
0: Right. They're probably running routes right now, as far as we know. And you have an excellent memory. Um, I wouldn't have been able to come up with 11 for 130 in week 13 against Tampa Bay. But that is exactly what Russell Gage did. I I think Russell Gage is going to catch, you know, 95 balls. Tom Brady, Tom Brady's a circle of trust guy. And he's basically saying, look, come with me. I'm coming back. We, I was an eyelash away from being the MVP. I was an eyelash away from getting back to the championship game. I still have good football to play. We don't know how healthy Goblin's going to be, but I mean, they're going to try. I hope they also bring Leonard Fournette back, by the way, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be a little crowded on the Gage bandwagon, and it seems weird to even say things like Russell Gage bandwagon, but I'm in because I know how Tom Brady is, and I, and I bet they've thrown, you know, I don't know, just a slew of passes together before they even get to organize team activities, so... Uh, hopefully Godwin can heal up quickly. They they must feel pretty good about his health status if they threw the money at him. And you know we know Mike, Mike Evans is still I, I think on a Hall of Fame trajectory, although he's getting close to the age where you start to get a little bit nervous. I think given look, his skill th-
1: set, right? Like given sure the the and, way he plays the game, hundred percent and
0: Brady coming back. I mean, look, I, and I know that New Orleans' defense is his kryptonite, but I mean, we, we he lived as great as Tom Brady is, and no no need to debate any of that. But he lived that AFC East life where he never really had a quarterback to push him. And then he goes to the NFC South. And what's happened? All the teams are in rebuilds now or in kind of like, what do we do now mode? And again, he needs to solve the Saints defense. He did beat them in the playoffs last year, but he didn't play great in that game. And they've eaten his lunch. It was really the New New Orleans Saints defense who took away his MVP award because he was the front, front runner. And then they play Sunday night. They throw up a bagel. And all of a sudden, it's it's the Aaron Rodgers show. I, I still think Cooper Cup should have been the MVP last year. That's that's a discussion for another day. But I'm excited about the Bucs, man. They're going to win 12 or 13 games. They're going to clinch this division early enough that we're going to be worried about them sitting, guys. Uh, you know, I think Brady's going to be in the in the MVP conversation again. And Liz, if you want Russell Gage, you're going to have to go through me to get him. <laughs>
1: Oh man, I don't know. Well I just I like that you you know, I had my estimate at like eighty to eighty five catches per game. but that I think is per conservative. Game, sure. yeah. No, not per game. For <laughs> on, the season, only, on only this. Only only Cooper
0: season. Cup gets eighty five catches a game. Fair, and Everybody else that would be unrealistic.
1: Thank you for uh, adjusting that. But I mean I was just like also the bucks. They're, they're going to take some defensive hits. There are a couple of O-line issues, like Marpet's sure. retirement that I'm a retirement, little bit concerned yep. about for Brady. How much they of they this get is Shaq Mason.
0: They got uh, Shaq Mason, uh, Brady's old buddy from New England. Although whenever Bill Belichick trades a veteran, you always get a little bit nervous, especially as cheaply as Mason was acquired. But, you know, uh, Brady, look, he's not. He's 719
1: no pass attempts last year. Leadingly, yeah. 719 passing attempts. Like, they're going to eat.
0: They're going to eat. They're going to eat. Book it right now. They're going 12-5 and or 13-4. and
1: So what was your take as a Patriots fan when Tom Brady unretired? I mean, I know I will say, like, I was like, oh, Tom Brady actually doesn't like staying home with kids. That sucks. It sucks so bad that he was like, you know, I'd prefer that I get my ass beat regularly on Sundays than have to stay home and parent. But what was your take as a lifelong Patriots fan?
0: I mean, I, I just think the league is better with more good quarterbacks in it tom brady's still a good quarterback if i had my druthers actually i'd love to see him in san francisco i think a one year victory lap in san francisco would be perfect tampa bay said hey we're he's our guy we're not trading him to anybody unless you you basically empty out your your draft capital but i i just i don't think we have enough good quarterbacks in the league so if one of them wants to unretire other than the fact that it totally spit all over my tom brady retirement appreciation piece that i wrote um that's you what's... know, um, other than that, I, I'm happy <laughs> to have the if, if the quality of the quarterback play goes up, I'm, I'm in favor of it.
1: I love the story about him watching LeBron hang like 54, I think, on that game and him being like, no, nah, LeBron can't be the only old dude beasting. Forget that. And then they like texted one another and he was like, that's it. That was the. Though that was the linchpin for him to like come back, and Tom Brady is so competitive that he doesn't even want to be the best at his sport; he has to be the best Gen Xer that is a professional athlete currently playing.
0: Right, yeah, these goats measure themselves against themselves. You know, I, I remember I think Tiger was a Tiger Woods and Federer who had a, a rivalry going if right. who had more majors, and then one of the right before Brady unretired, he was hanging out with Cristiano Ronaldo, the the soccer star. And Ronaldo's like, you're done, right? And Brady's like, eh, yeah. you know, it's a, day, a day or two later, you know, had to, had to upstage the selection show. They broke into the selection show and talked to Adam Schefter. But um, but anyway, whatever. I mean, I say whatever you want about Brady. And I know some people are going to be fatigued by him. But it's going to make Mike Evans better. It's going to make Chris Godwin better. It's going to make Russell Gage an elbow conversation that we can have in a, in a few months. So to me, that's a win. <laughs> uh,
1: So teams that don't win the giants, although they are trying their hardest um, They're trying. one would, would assume, despite missing out on the Mitch Trubisky sweepstakes, which is a bit surprising. He ended up going to the Steelers, but they did sign RSJ Ricky seals Jones, which there's a need for now that Kyle Rudolph was released. And Evan Ingram is on his way to Jacksonville as part of that giant spending spree. And if we're talking about the other New York team and also tight ends, the Jets signed Tyler Conklin as well as CJ Uzoma. I like this. Hold on. When I talked earlier about like the contract specifics to see if there is a favorable play in fantasy, like if I look at Conklin and Uzoma, Uzoma, take your pick, I will favor Uzoma because of the five touchdowns that he managed as part of the Bengals' electric passing attack. Uh, I think Conklin only had Conklin had more targets, but that didn't really happen until Irv Smith got hurt and opened that up for him. Three years, twenty-one million for Conklin. Three years, twenty-four million for Uzoma. Do you have a take here either way? Because I do feel like one of these guys is going to end up having, you know, bi week filling utility kind of dart throw utility for fantasy.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like Andy Barons and I on the waiver Wire podcast did a lot of talking about guys like Tyler Conklin. I don't know if I ever got the timing right. I'm also curious to see what happens with Austin Hooper, who's been let go by Cleveland, who I still think has some good, maybe, again, maybe it's just a Cleveland thing, you know, and they had so many tight ends. They made an investment in David Njoku. So I guess that made Hooper expendable. Uh, but these tight ends all sound like the, the, they're going to be waiver Wire fodder. They're going to be players we, we roster for a week or two and then we end up cutting. And then you go on that great tab, that player history tab on Yahoo. We, you can see, you can track what's happened to a player since your fantasy season started and you'll see like seven different people in your league rostered Tyler Conklin at one uh, point.
1: Yeah. I, I, I am curious to see how the uh, Yuzuma. It does. I will say from the Jets' point of view, like they've made some O-line changes and fortifications. I believe they added Lakin Tomlinson who's a guard, um, clearly there to help Zach Wilson. And then two uh, pass-catching, big-bodied, like, I mean, I would say that Yuzuma was top five in uh, yards after the catch. Um, Pretty good red zone presence. Obviously bailed Joe Burrow out numerous times, and he was in, you know, similar, if we're looking at O-line situations, to Wilson, different player as a quarterback, though, but situationally. It does seem that the Jets are trying their best to unruin
0: Zach Wilson. And to be fair, I mean, you were talking about Uzo and I kind of poo-pooed him, but I, I actually, I like him a lot as a player. I just, the problem there is there's so much receiver talent. And then they have a, one of the few bell cows left in the NFL and Joe Mixon that it's like this kind of scraps for him. But in an offense where they couldn't protect Burrow that well, a lot of times those quick over the middle throws were the easiest to define. And I, I mean, I think there's certainly talent there. You know, producer John, you may need to delete this to, to save my reputation, but I squint and I actually like what the Jets are doing. It's just a matter of we'll find out if Zach Wilson can play or not. There you go. Enough things, enough things went wrong last year that I give him. I, I think it's kind of an excused absence. I can't hold it against Wilson last year. But there's pieces around him. If he ends up being a, you know, a little bit better than league average, I could see the Jets 9-8 and eight next year. I think it's in play.
1: I don't think you need to mute that for our audience. I just think you need to make sure Selfino doesn't hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm talking to Mike too much because if you talk to Mike too much, you, you'll think that that Joe Namath is you know is 25 again and the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. But uh, hey, look, it's you know it's March, it's silly money's getting thrown around, so we, we have to say a few silly things on the podcast. I'm feeling optimistic about the Jets. There it is, I said it. I'm Buffalo
1: uh, Buffalo made up for that reverse course situation on Jamison Crowder with two signings, not at the running back position, but OJ Howard, who we know is this spark genius, right? Like the metric mavens have always loved him, despite the fact that he's never been able to like fully put it together for a season. But he's going to uh, Orchard Park on a one year, $3.5 million deal, a little bit of a prove it there. Why not? Um, Dawson Knox. Obviously, I almost feel like O.J. Howard's addition to the Bills is more of a hit to Gabriel Davis's potential red zone opportunities than Dawson Knox's.
0: I also wonder if it's possible that they could look at Howard as an extension of the blocking game and the run game more than he is as a pass receiver, even though you oh. think, I mean, you see his, yeah. his physical ability and you think, man, this guy could be a monster if they unlocked him. Obviously, Tampa may never could do that. And for a second, it looked like maybe Rob Gronkowski in Buffalo is going to be a thing. I would think now that Brady's coming back, that just means that Gronk is in the bag for, for you know, those two guys are just going to walk in the sunset together. But um, what are you going to do with Dawson Knox next year? I, he has a breakout season. It can be really tricky when somebody has a breakout year. You think, well, I don't want to, you know, there's going to be a regression. His ADP is going to rise significantly. Are you going to be in or out, you think, on Knox next year? Next I season? think
1: it is situational. Um, And I think that when Dawson Knox was on the field, Josh Allen played better. He was consistently elevating Allen's play. Allen looked to him. And, you know, when they played the Patriots, I, uh it, yes, it was that cold weather game, right? But when they played the Patriots, I was like, well, the effort is going to be ahead of before the weather report became the weather report, right? I think the team's really going to focus on taking away Dawson Knox. So I am I think a lot of fantasy drafters and we'll see like where the ADP falls, but I think a lot of fantasy drafters are going to assume they're going to see the OJ Howard signing. They're going to think about Dable and regression and they're going to like rightfully lean towards the volatility of the position and be like, nah. And I am pretty comfortable that especially if you have a new OC in town, he is going to try to do everything that continues to not just stabilize, but elevate Allen's, play and whether it's energetic or x's and o's knox did that throughout 2021 i'll
0: admit too i always have a weakness for players who were like in in fantasy baseball it's like everybody starts at shortstop who's who's uber talented and then maybe you stay at shortstop maybe you become an outfielder you become a third baseman whatever it is but uh, dawson knox a former quarterback who is you know, he's still learning the tight end game. But when you learn, when you start as a quarterback, you understand how everything works on the offense. And I think that's just a great advantage to have. You know, Belichick loves to collect as many former quarterbacks. So he can throw as many gadget plays that for a while, yeah, with that Jacoby a Myers play. was more likely to throw a touchdown pass than it was to catch a touchdown pass. And and just because you mentioned it in passing as glorious as that Patriots Monday night win was in Buffalo in the wind. What did Buffalo do? They played New England twice uh, after that. They could not stop. uh, New England had no chance of stopping Buffalo in the rematch in New England to the point that I was telling friends on a text thread, just start onside kicking or fake punting. You're not stopping these guys. And then literally in the playoffs, I don't think they stopped them at all. I think they had like what seven or eight touchdown drives in a row. It was just uh, what a beatdown that was. And Man, Buffalo, Buffalo's got to be smarting. I mean, the the Rams are a good team. Don't get me wrong, but they got to be like Cincinnati. We were better than them. We would have beaten them. This was our year. And I, I feel like Buffalo, man, Josh Allen is just sooner or later, you know, they could go back to Super Bowl. Josh Allen is like the best quarterback in the league right now who doesn't have an MVP as far as I'm concerned. You got to think they're they're going to be like all in We're I know the the conference is loaded, but the division in the AFC East isn't great. You would think that they already have that in the mail right now. It's time for Buffalo to just, you know, go put the smack down on the, on the rest of the NFL.
1: The Von Miller signing certainly suggests Love that it. they are in alignment with you. He's 32. A bit of a late career mercenary, you know, Uh, six years, though, at 32 years old, he signed a six year long deal. Of course, there are potential outs throughout, but one hundred and twenty million dollars after winning two rings in his career. So it does look as though Buffalo is in agreement with you, Scott, and they are willing to lay the hammer down both offensively and defensively. There was obvious need on defense here, too.
0: And plus Von Von Miller's your handicapper, right? And he's like, okay, Denver can't win. Who can win? The Rams can win. Okay, we won. Party. Parade. Ring. Okay, I gotta go somewhere else. Who can win? Buffalo can win. Von Miller is your handicapping Huckleberry. And and you're also very wise to point out, I, I know this should go without saying, but you know, Greg Rosenthal made a great tweet about it a few days ago. When you're talking about the money of these contracts, it, a lot of it is the, the quote-unquote agent, you know, boldface money. You know, it's not real. A lot of it is is based in incentives and what the deal could be worth and what the team can get out of and stuff like that. Just you know, read between the lines and, and see the contracts for what they really are, not the illusion of the big money. They're always going to tell you what the maximum value is, but so many of these contracts will never get close to that.
1: That is such an interesting part to me about the strategy of like trying to make sure that you're... Clients continue to get paid more and more, right? If you can inflate the narrative of the contract or the media positioning of the contract, then you can have more leverage in the uh, conference room and close. Well, it's funny.
0: It's funny. Early in the player's career, it's always they're always thinking from the player perspective, how can we get out of the contract? And then later in the player's career, it's always the team thinking, how can we get out of the contract? Yeah.
1: Yeah, All right, that is going to do it for us this week. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Scott at Scott underscore see, Look at us with those underscores. That's why we're so aligned. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. We'll be back with another episode on Tuesday, undoubtedly covering more drama. Maybe we'll have some Watson news. I'm sure we'll have some Baker Mayfield updates. And wherever the league is taking us to next. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy March Madness. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail.